to NURFM. It's a quarter past 12 and this is Gardening Talkback. 49216216 is the number to ring and that's what Neil has done. He's from Rutherford. Neil, you've got a question to put to Scott. Yes, I have. Hey, Neil, how can we help you? Well, I've got the orange stink bug in my fruit trees. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was wearing gardening gloves and I squashed a few and I've got a few stains on my fingers. Yep, yep. They're hard to get rid of too. Yes. But what I'm worried about, I've sprayed it with um, lebesid and pesto oil, a mixture. Mm-hmm. Will they go to other trees? Like I've got big trees and shrubs and all that in my yard. Look, if, if you've contacted that with the, uh, the lebesid and the pest oil uh, mixture, Neil, those ones should die. But yeah. they are, they're the cleverest little bug. I don't know how they do it. They seem to seek out citrus. You know, they'll, they'll mostly go to citrus and they will find them in the yard. So they'll come from all sorts of places and find yours. I understand. Yeah. So, look, that, that is the way to keep on. Uh, if you've got some um, lebesid, keep on using that. Um, another chemical you can use to get rid of it is malathon. Malathon. Uh, yeah, look, some natural uh, ideas people have come up with is, you know, just to get the hose and squirt them off, but unfortunately they'll probably come back uh, if you do that. If you've got an old hoover, mate, um, I've heard of people going with the old hoover and actually sucking them up and getting rid of them that way. Um, oh, that's an idea. Yeah, yeah, but I probably wouldn't use the brand new Dyson or anything like oh, that no, because no. you'll have a terrible smell on the carpet after that. <laughs> Yeah, look, they, they are awful, and you are probably best to spray them and get rid of them that way. But, uh, yeah. look, because it's being used on an edible plant, uh, look, you're using a chemical that you're able to use. Yeah. Uh, but you just have to be careful for any other listeners out there that um, you make sure you read the instructions and that the chemical you've got, uh, the insecticide you've got, is suitable to use on edible plants. So that's why some people are going to more of those natural methods if you've got the old hoover. Uh, right, yeah, then. <laughs> Well, thanks very much for that. Okay, no worries, Neil. Thank That's you. That's good, Neil. So the garden actually is doing really well, isn't it, at the moment with all this rain and temperature around? It's, it's just like being in Cairns, isn't it? Like being up in, <laughs> in tropical Queensland at the moment. Yeah, I was outside just earlier on. It was like that. It was There was this stinging sort of tropical sun came through and then the clouds came back and then it burned off again and then you're out there going, oh, no wonder the plants are doing so well at the moment. It's, it's just perfect for them. Just just great. Yeah. So we're taking any questions you've got to do with your garden on 49216216. And hello, who have we got on the line here? Hello? Gail? Yes, Gail. You've got a question for Scott? Yes. But I have a question for you. Yeah, go, go ahead. I have a fig tree in mm-hmm. a pot. Yep. All right. Now, bits of it died back after last year. Yeah. But it's come back. One branch has got heaps of fig on it. Other branches don't have a lot. Is there anything that I should be doing to help that keep going, like food-wise or...? Yeah. Look, I, what I've noticed with figs, Gail, is that in uh, even at work when we've got them and we have them through winter, yes, yeah, some of the branches will die off, and I've never been able to quite work out why they do that. Um, and it's not about the pruning or anything. Sometimes they'll just start to die back, and that happens. But then when you get back to spring and summer again, they fill back out and they go quite nicely. Now, Gail, if you've got it in a pot, the thing you're going to have to do is give it some feed. Uh, so use a slow-release fertiliser on that, um, you know, something like a Sudden Impact, or, or you can use a, 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 a liquid fertiliser like Flourish and give it a good old drenching with that and do that every couple of weeks. Uh, look, that is important because in pots, you know, most plants get fairly hungry and especially a fruiting plant like your fig, you want it to do really well yeah. so you get those nice juicy figs off there and you can mix it into ice cream or whatever you're going to do with it. Um, yeah. So, look, definitely do that. 
Um, so some fertiliser, plenty of water. Uh, if, if it dies off, you know, right. some branches die off in winter, I wouldn't be concerned about it. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. What I found yeah. and what I was worried about, when it started dying off, yeah. I thought maybe it is too wet because it had water sitting in the tray underneath. Oh. Yeah, look, that, so that... I lifted it up, but... Yeah that, yeah, that could be the case. I would say with any deciduous plant like that in winter, don't have it sitting in a tray of water. I mean, it just goes to reason that there's no leaves on the plant. It's not it's not operating like a little machine at that time. It's not sucking up the water to turn into energy, you know, with the with the sunlight and the photosynthesis to actually use that water up. So in winter, I'd definitely empty any trays. Still water it every now and again, or if it's out in the rain, just let that rainwater do it. But, yeah. uh, look, certainly let it drain out so it's not sitting there nice and soggy. But, look, that said, at work I've had them. You know, we don't have sources under the plants at work. The same thing still happens. But I uh, get ants in them if I don't. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, and that, the ants take over the pot. Yeah, sure, that's a good idea. So yeah, <laughs> you're killing two birds with one stone there. And it is Gardening Talkback right now, 22 past 12, taking your questions just to make sure your garden is going to be totally in tip-top condition. And, Bev, you've rung in. Hello? Hello. Hello, that's Bev, isn't it, from Raymond yes. Terrace? Okay. Yes. What would you like to ask Scott? I'd like to ask Scott if uh, I can cut back, uh, I think it's a viburnum tree uh, called Emerald Luster. Oh, yeah. hey, Bev, that's fantastic. Look, you can cut back your emerald luster at the moment. Uh, so, look, viburnum uh, emerald luster is a big, green, glossy leaf yes, plant. The it's a beautiful yeah. thing, but it's taken over my path. <laughs> And now it's all wet and you walk under it and get drowned. So, look, people often use them for hedging as well, and they do make quite a really a nice thick hedge. And they look, they have a sort of tropical look, so tying in with the storms and everything we've got at the moment and the blazing tropical sunlight, they can actually look quite good as a as sort cool. of a tropical hedge. And they, they don't do as well here during winter. I don't know if you've noticed that. They sort of go a little bit bronzy now oh, and they again. Mine are probably... Oh, I'd say six to eight metres tall. Yes, yes. Too late to cut them back? Oh, no, no, certainly you can give them a really hard cut back if you want to. Look, you, you could cut them back to a couple of metres high if you wanted to. And they, oh, fabulous. Oh, I yeah. Them, I put them to... Uh, to block out a brick wall of a garage next door, and yep. they've done a beautiful job, but now they've just got out of control. <laughs> Sounds like they might be blocking the sun out for you, they've got that tall. Well, uh, in parts, it's, it's a shame to cut them back, but they have to come back, they yeah. So look, now, now's the time to do it. If you were to cut them back in winter, for instance, any new shoots that come on would burn off and they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't do very well. But right. um, So now is the time. You'll find with the weather we've got at the moment, within you know, three or four weeks, you'll have new shoots coming back from out of the bottom and you'll have a real, really beautiful thick plant in you know, a couple of months' time. Sounds great. Thanks, Bev. Gardening Talk Back and 49216216 is the number to ring. Bill, you're from Charlestown and you've got a problem with a poinsettia. A, wire, a very special poinsettia. It is too, yeah, very, very lovely bush. Hi, Scott, anyway. Yeah, um, hi, Bill. Top of the hill, Charlestown, how are you? <laughs> good, thanks, good. So um, you want poinsettia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we won it, actually, on your program. but <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> lovely, lovely plant. But it's, all the white tips have seemed to not coming back again. Okay, so we, we probably would have given that away in in, winter, yes. in a winter time ah, now. The, right. Now, the thing with poinsettia here in Australia is we try, well, it's not that we try and trick the uh, buying public, <laughs> but we actually try and trick the plant into doing the opposite thing. So we, we all think the poinsettias are a Christmassy type flower. That, that's where the red ones, you know, traditionally the idea of that is. So 
in winter, that's when poinsettias really want to have all that colour on their leaves when it's, you know, it's uh, cold. And, ah. and the pink ones do the same. So here in Australia in November, December, when it's hot, they actually trick the plants into coming on and doing that. They, I think they spray them with some sort of weird and wonderful gas, actually, to try and get them to do that. Oh, cool. We so can't we, do that. Yeah, so <laughs> even though you buy the, buy the plants at the moment and they're full of colour, it's actually completely the wrong time of year for them to be doing that here in Australia. Um, you know, it's the same. You know, it's the same May bush. You know, it may, may doesn't May comes out in spring here with the white flower, but over in England, that comes out in May when it's spring over there. So, yeah, unfortunately, you're just gonna have to wait back until May, June, July again. Bill, and your uh, white point city is gonna look now, fabulous. Now it has grown pretty, pretty big. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not it's grown triple, I think, what yeah. the size it first got it. Um, is it supposed to be indoors or outdoors? What, what's the story on that part of it? So, look, again, they're, they're a plant that will uh, they will actually survive indoors fairly well for you, but they are traditionally an outdoor plant. I always, always remember going up the hill, you know, through Toronto and over towards Kerry Bay. And on the left-hand side there, there's some massive big poinsettias that people have got there, um, almost as a, you know, as a two-metre sort of high hedge. Yeah, um, yeah. So, look, yes, they are an outdoor plant, but, again, another plant that we've successfully brought inside. Uh, to use as a display plant, uh, you know, for a short period of time. Yeah, and I did get told that you can do cuttings off it and it will regrow and things like that. Yeah, poinsettias are quite easy to do that from. So, yeah, yeah. give that a try and see how you go with it. All right, thanks very much. Good luck with that, Bill. And speaking about poinsettias, I seem to remember in Germany that they were very popular at Christmas time. Of course, it was winter then. Yes. (laughs) Are poinsettias a plant from that side of the world? Yes, yes, they they are. are. So that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, 49216216. That's the number that Kay rang in from Trelba, a plumcot tree, Kay. Yes, I've got a plumcot tree. I've had it for about five years and it's never fruited. Just wondering whether can I expect fruit or is it the wrong area? No, you should be able to get fruit. Now, look, without knowing, without looking at it exactly, some of those uh, ones need to actually have, you know, a, a pollinator nearby. Right. So it might be that you need an apricot or a plum nearby to actually get that pollinator for your plant. Some of okay, them does are... it have to be a stone fruit? Because I do have peaches and oranges and lemonade trees and mandarins and things like that. Yes, now the, tr- the trouble with uh, the stone fruit is they actually need specific pollinators and it, it's, it's quite specific which ones will do which plant. So, you know, you, right. might have, you might have a peach, but it doesn't mean it's going to do, you know, an apricot. So it, oh, it doesn't okay. work. It doesn't quite work like that. Um, so yep. look, without ha- actually having a, a close look and finding out what the pollinator is for the plum cot, uh, it's a bit hard to actually just you know with the answer for that one. But yes, look, certainly they do need specific pollinators. Sometimes they can just be in the area, but usually a plant will have a certain amount of fruit uh, mm-hmm. if it, if it's not um, you know if it's not pollinated. It just won't have the abundance of fruit that you you know you'd actually want. Uh, look, the other thing to do, Kay, is just make sure that the plant's being, you know, well fertilised um, with a, a high potassium fertiliser. Um, you can even use sulphate of potash as well to get the flowers promoted on that. Terrific. Thank okay. you so much for your help, Thank Scott. you, Kay. That's Kay. Now, a sad tale coming up oh, now yes. from John from Pindima. You've got a pot plant that isn't doing the goods at the moment, John. Hello? 
Oh, we seem to have lost oh, John. It's a doubly sad tale because usually, <laughs> usually I always give the prize away to the, the saddest tale of the day. It's, it's, I've got this heart of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, no prize in that case. John Four, might want to give us another call back and try, try again. <laughs> that'd be good. 49216216, of course, to get your question through. Um, let's just touch on one of your subjects um, that you brought, you said you'd like to talk about today, Scott. Yes, how about, I'll, I'll show you the picture. There's the Daintree Pine. Yeah, you can all see that, can't you? That's yeah. <laughs> the wonder of radio, isn't it? Look, it's a, it's a nice, compact little pine. Uh, they're actually a rare native pine. They're from far north Queensland, so we're following that tropical theme through here today. Now, these pines apparently date all, ba- all the way back to the Gondwana period, and I think dinosaurs might have been running around then. So if you've got any spare dinosaurs in your yard, they're probably going to want to feast on these. So it might be good food for your uh, Tyrannosaurus or something. Look, but they are ideal for uh, hedges, windbreaks. You can have them in pots if you want to. Um, they just make a nice specimen plant. People are using them as Christmas trees. So they get to about three to six metres high, but you can you know, you prune them and do all of those things with them. Uh, look, they like a nice, open, sunny position, as you know most conifers do. But, yeah, look, just a, a, a different little thing. It's a, it's a conifer-looking plant. It's a native. It's from all the way up north, and it'll do well down here, and you can have it for Christmas. And you could decorate it in the garden, couldn't you, you if could, you wanted yeah, to? Yeah, you could let it get to its three metres and, you know, climb up and do that as well. <laughs> you could indeed. <laughs> to a new RFM, this... Ah, ah... I think we've got John back. Yes. So, John, you've got a sad tale, have you? Yeah, I've got a very, I've got two very, very sick hookers. You, you know what? You know I'm a sucker for a uh, for a sob story, John. So go away. What, what's what's happened? <laughs> well, big black spots on them, and the leaves are looking like they're sick. Yeah, so look, if, on the yuccas, mate, they, they actually get a sort oh, yeah, of... Oh, yeah, not the is a hoyer, is it? Oh, sorry, what have you got, a hoya or a yucky? Oh, you dropped out just a A hoya, okay. So, yes. Yeah, so they, they can actually get like a, a funny little um, fungal bacterial disease on them as well. Yes. Uh, so yuck, yucks can, can, can get a very similar thing as well, and it can't, it's to do with the watering and the, the, back, the, uh, the fungus actually comes up from the soil and on the leaves. Uh, so with hoyas, I would just get a, an all-purpose fungicide like copper oxychloride and give that a yes. spray on there. Now, yes. what you'll find, though, is that the damaged leaves won't repair themselves. So no. really, you're yes. just putting a protective coating on there. You're going to drench that through the soil as well, mate, just to try and, uh, uh, you know. In pots? Yeah. That, in hanging pots? Yep. Yeah, so still, still drench that through the soil. Uh, yep. You're trying to get rid of those fungal spores that are running around yep. there um, and, and see how you go with that. Eventually, you might just have to pick off those leaves that are a bit affected. But what, yeah. you're, what you're really trying to do is protect the new growth that comes out. Okay. Okay. Good luck with that. And uh, Stephen has rung in from Hinton. Stephen, hello. Oh, we are having trouble with that line. Let's try again. Hello. No. Oh. Hello. Yeah. Steve from Hinton. How can we help you? We uh, planted some uh, weeping cherries some uh, just before winter. Yeah. And they were bare rooted. And they're um, quite tall, probably six foot tall or something. Mm-hmm. And they, they seem to have um, graphs, uh, several graphs. And the, the weeping part at the top, the leaves start and then they all die off. They've uh, come out and um, 
we also get a lot of them up the trunk. All the leaves are coming out up the trunk and we're pulling them off, but we don't seem to be able to get the uh, leaves at the top to uh, stay alive. Yeah. What are we doing wrong? Well, you've, you've, hit upon, you've hit upon the problem, and it can op- often happen with grafted plants. It happens with citrus if they've been grafted. What, and passion fruit, I'm always going on about passion fruit. What tries, what, they graft the plant onto a, you know, a more vigorous rootstock, and, and with the, the cherries, they've grafted that on. Uh, you know, so you've got the nice weeping cherry up the top. But what usually then tries to happen is that the, you know, what, what it's been grafted onto tries to take over. So you're doing the right thing trying to pick that off because if you don't, what's really happening is all the energy of the plant's going into that rather than into the graft at the top. And eventually what happens, though, is the graft will, it will make good and it will take over and it will get strong enough where it will actually you know, grow on and it will look after itself in a way. So all you can do, Stephen, is just keep on picking off those leaves that you see coming on up the trunks and you know, channel that energy up into the graft of, of the weeping cherry that it's, that it's coming up the top. Uh, that's all you can really do for it, unfortunately, mate. Uh, we're concerned that we've lost it because all the leaves at the top have just died off and nothing seems to be growing there now except for up the trunk. Well, it, it could be then in that case that the graft actually ha- has died up the top and it might be... Look, the, and the only way you're going to work out that is just to grab some secateurs, start at the end of where the graft is and just start snipping in. If it's, okay. Yeah, if it's green, then, you know, keep on persisting and, and water into it, uh, even maybe a touch of liquid fertiliser, but keep on stripping those leaves off the trunk. Uh, but it made if it's brown and... and hardened and dead then you know it's time just to dig it out and start again unfortunately oh. okay sorry about the bad that's that's a pretty bad news story i think better day yeah, yeah. We, we planted three and two of them have done exactly the same thing one of them surviving but it seems to be hanging on by the skin of its teeth yeah. the other two are carted, unfortunately. yeah look unfortunately with you know new plants like that especially grafted plants you put them in they just need that tender loving care you know, for that initial first year, and then when they're coming back out of dormancy for the second year as well. I'm not saying that Stephen hasn't looked after them, but it's really important that they're watered very well for that first season, yeah, so that the graft can establish itself and, they and take over. Yeah. They do have their own way of doing things, they don't do, they, plants? Yes. Don't we all? Well, uh, let's hear from Charlie right now. Um, he's in Thornton, and this is Gardening Talkback, of course, and he's worried about his magnolia and pruning it. Is that right? Uh, hello, Scott. Hey, Charlie. Go ahead, uh, go, go ahead about your uh, magnolia, mate. Um, yes, it's getting a little bit high and, and a bit straggly in the sides, and it's in the flower at the moment. Um, I just want to know when's the best time I can sort of trim it a bit into a bit more of a shape. So, Charlie, you've got a, a magnolia little gem, one of the evergreen ones? or Yes, yes. grand folia, I think it is. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, look, with magnolias, I think you can prune them pretty much any time of the year. Uh, obviously, if you prune them in winter, you won't get any, uh, you know, you won't get very much regrowth at that time of year, but they're really shooting on at the moment. Um, so, look, I, I'd go ahead and prune that now. Don't have to wait till after the flowers are gone. Well, look, they with with the ones like Little Gem, they tend to flower almost all the season, yeah. so it's, it's hard to pick a time when to go in and prune it. But I've certainly pruned Little Gem, um, you know, at all times of the year when it's got flowers on it, when it's got bud. You're right, though, mate. That is the rule of thumb. If a plant's got yeah. flowers on it, you usually wait for the flowering season to be over. 
Um, but look, I would say with um, magnolias, it's probably, you know, you can give them a go at any time. Uh, look, just with the little gem that most people have got, you know, for the hedging, you can really hack at those. I've seen, you know, we've hacked at them with the hedger. They're very, very versatile and tough plant, and they seem to come back. Uh, if you've got Grandiflora, it's a slightly larger growing one. Yeah, um, so it's you... about uh, probably four or five metres now, so it's not a little gem anymore. No, no, no. So little gem's different to Grandiflora. Um, yeah. so, so with yours, you might just have to be a little bit more careful about it because it's going to get, you know, much, uh, you know, woodier trunks. And you just have to be a little bit careful yeah. about the way you shape it. Um, okay. But look, mate, if you think it's about to finish flowering, um, you know, wait a couple of weeks and then give it a go then. But otherwise, you know, I think you can safely give it a prune at this time of year, the way they're, they're shooting on. Yeah. Does it matter about uh, taking the top off it, like you know, like trimming along the top? Yeah, look, so with most plants, Charlie, you have to be careful about taking out that main leader, mm-hmm. um, you know, that main trunk, because then you get a funny sort of sprawling shape out of it. Yeah. Uh, so if you do want to keep that, that shape, just try and um, keep that main leader in there. Okay. But if you want to reduce the height and keep it, at, you know, at a certain height, then, you know, prune away and do what you yeah. want. Okay. Good luck with the magnolia pruning, Charlie. And, of course, 49216216 gets your question through to Scott Sharp. We want to get your garden in totally tip-top shape today on Gardening Talkback. And, Gail, you've got another question. You rang in before. You're from Abermain, aren't you? And you, you've got a question for Scott? I do. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Gail. I am an MS patient, and I rent, right? So all my, all my plants are in pots. Yes. So have to move, I can take my plants with me. Yeah. Now, I've got a gardenia. It's in the pot. Yeah. When I, when I actually married my husband, he had this gardenia and it was sort of sick and we, we resurrected it and it's almost died again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this plant's almost died three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I want to know is it has, it's, I, because I haven't been well with the MS, it has been allowed to grow lanky. Yeah, yeah. When do I, when can I prune it back? Like it's got flowers on it now, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> there's big spaces without leaf. Yeah, okay. The- so, look, Gail, gardenias are another plant like magnolia, little gem. They are flowering at the moment. It's, it's the ideal time for them. It's hot and humid. They love it. But, look, I would say with a, mag, uh, with a gardenia, you can prune it at almost any time, and you can be quite severe with it as well. Um, so, look, definitely, if you do that, you'll find at this time of year, give it a cut, good old uh, cutback. And then within about two or three weeks, you'll find new shoots just feeling back up from underneath it. Um, and look, certainly do it now. I wouldn't be too worried about having flowers on a gardenia. I've done it at work a number of times. You just go and prune them, and, and they seem they're a very, very resilient plant, so they'll come back for you. Gone to a new RFM. It's 17.21. We're taking your calls on 49216216. Ian's rung in from Cessnock. How can we help you, Ian? I believe you've got some problems with your uh, up, up in Cessnock there. <laughs> No, I don't have any problems. I've just come back from up the north coast. Yeah, mate. And uh, I, a tree much the same shape and form as a uh, jacaranda. Yes. Uh, but with covered in brilliant orange flowers. Yes. Um, wondering what the name might have been so I, I bought some seeds back. Um, what the name might have been so I could try and grow something. Right. So it's a poinciana, but yes. guess what? There's no way in the world you're going to grow it up there at Cessnock. I'd be very, no, very no. surprised. Okay, well, yep. for the guy I know that lives down Belmont, he, he said to me, oh, Ian, if you can grow a couple, yep. um, I wouldn't mind a couple, but I just wondered how I might 
propagate them yep. from the seeds. So, mate, it, it might be that you'll get the seeds to strike now, but as soon yeah. as we get into May, you're going to have to, um, like, get them down to the bloke in Belmont? Yes. Uh, because it just gets too cold up there. Even even Belmont and here in Newcastle is too cold, I'd say, for um, for Poinciana. They're a plant that, you know, once you get to Coffs Harbour and those yeah. nighttime temperatures aren't falling away, that's the best place to uh, have them going. Uh, but, okay. mate, as far as getting the seed, just um, if you've, you've managed to uh, harvest the seed from a plant up there, just get yeah, it into a good I pot. I brought some back with you. Yep, just get them into some good potty mix in a pot. Um, yep. You know, one seed to each one, and just yep. start watering, and it's the right time of year to get them going. So see what happens. But as soon as that cold weather um, starts to hit, you'll have to uh, get them to a sort of a better spot, and uh, even try and keep them protected as well out of the wind and out of the cold yeah. settling on okay. them. Okay, so, yeah. so with, uh, for example, sunflower seeds, which we uh, soak those in water, and they'll uh, soften and maybe start to shoot. Yes. With these, these seeds are much twice as big as a sunflower seed, but much the same texture. Would I soak some of them in water to try and uh, get them to soften up a bit and maybe shoot? Look, if you've got a number of them, I'd do. You know, I'd use a couple of methods. I'd just right stick up. some directly into a, a seed raising mix or a good potting mix, and the yep. others I would, you know, try another method to try and, you know, because if you've got a number, it's best to try all sorts of ways to to try and get thank, some seed thank to Thank you strike. very much, mate. Thank Excellent. You. Thanks, Ian. Bye, mate. This is Gardening Talkback for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener. And we are taking your questions on 49216216. Margaret, you've got a question. Uh, you've rung in from Canwell. Canwell, is that how we Canwell. pronounce it? Canwell. And uh, you've got a question about a weed. You do. Go ahead. Um, Scott, it's, um, I took a piece of it to the garden centre and they said it was Murrumbidgee Cooch. Yeah, Mullumbimbi Cooch, that's correct. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mullumbimbi. Yeah, that's it? all right, yeah. Yeah, so you've heard of it. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's, people call it nutgrass as well. They're actually closely related. Um, mm-hmm. So if we, you know, just call it nutgrass, it's probably the easiest way to, um, to to talk about it. And So you've got it in the in the lawn, have you? We have, and it's spread, like it started last year. Yeah. And it's spread of all heaps. So we've, what we've been doing is putting zero on it. Yes. And sometimes we've been digging it, but um, yeah. we've ended up with holes all through the grass. Yeah, and if you're not careful with the zero as well, anything else it touches, it'll kill as well. Exactly. So, so look, um, Mullumbimby cooches. It's a people have probably seen it. It's got like a triangular, you know, like you know, little spiky ones come out, and then you get this little nut seed coming out in the middle of it. But uh, Margaret, look, there is good news. Um, you can get rid of it. There is a selective herbicide you can use to get rid of it. Um, um, soils make it. It's uh, called nutgrass and, and clover killer. So if, oh, yeah. So if right. you go if you go into your um, into your local garden centre, they should have that there, um, or you know a product that's very similar. Uh, we we stock soils, so that's just the one that's come to mind for me. Mm. And with that, you can actually spray that all over the lawn. Now, also just make sure you um, you read the instructions because some of them aren't. Um, you know, some chemicals can't be used on certain lawns. So, for instance, with that one I just mentioned, you, if you've got a buffalo or a kai Q lawn, mm. uh, you have to be careful. You can only actually spot spray the weed. But if you've got a cooch lawn, you can spray all over it and it will actually take it out for you. We've got quite a so, yeah, so we just do where it's growing. Yeah, so just do where it's growing. Make sure you haven't mowed. People often mow and then they come in and think they're going to, you know, spray then. But by then, you've, you've, you know, you've actually cut off all the leaves where you want the poison to settle and do mm-hmm. its work. So make sure there's lots of nice foliage there for you to, to work on. And then you go and spray in that area. So you can't just only spot spray because it'll probably set your grass back a little bit. Right. Uh, but you know, it's it's better than using zero, which will oh, definitely it, ki- it will it definitely be, kill yeah. it if you touch it. Um, yeah. And so yeah, you just use one of those. So it's just called called uh, nutgrass killer, pas- paspalum nutgrass killer. Oh, lovely. 
Thank Excellent. you so okay. much for that. That's not a problem. How nice it is to have help like that. To a new RFM's gardening talk back and Scott Sharp, ready to answer your questions on 49216216. We've just got a little bit of time, but you were going to tell us, Scott, about a, a rather pretty sounding um, ground cover there. Oh, amber. Amber. Yes. What's Actually, amber all about? Oh, uh, amber's the name of our accountant at work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and look, she is. She's lovely too. Just she's not a, a you know she hasn't got any thorns or any spikiness about her. She's quite lovely. But look, amber is a flower carpet rose, and they're a, a really great um, plant to have in the garden if you need to just cover some ground, you know, like with a rambling thing that gets plenty of colour at this time of year. Um, they're very quick growing. They're easy to look after. If they get a bit out of control, you can just go over them with the shears and um, tidy them all up for you. Um, but look, yeah, plenty of colour. There's lots of different colour choices. Uh, this amber one's like a very, you know, it's an amber colour, I guess, but I'm a bloke, so I don't know what colours are all about. <laughs> but apparently you get pinks and whites, you know, I'm not sure what they look like either. But look, yes, you can. You get pinks and, 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 yes. and teal and things like that <laughs> oh, too. Oh, no, 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 my head's going to explode. <laughs> so, yes, there's there's pinks, whites, uh, there's dark reds, and this beautiful one, amber. So it look a very, very low maintenance and easy to look after plant if you just want something to spread out, ramble around, and get lots of colour at this time of year. This is Gardening Talk Back, and we're... We've been taking your calls. We're still taking your calls. Joan's rung in from Williamtown. Hi, Joan. How can we help you today? I'm good, Scott. Thank you very much for taking my call. No problems. I've got three Alexandra palms in my yard, and they're about eight years old. Yes. But what's happened in the last within the last year is as the new fronds come out, as they're growing, instead of growing up straight and tall, they're bending at the base of the of the frond, and they're bending and collapsing down towards the stem of the of the palm. And I don't know why they're doing that. So every new frond that comes out is just bending down, collapsing. Now, Joan, so are they actually collapsing and dying off in the end, or they take a while to die off? Right. Okay. That's mm. that, that's an unusual one. So. Often when you've got in, in palm trees, you can get mealybug and insects that are sort of deep down inside, the, you know, where the frond is, where they're coming, where they're actually coming back and growing out of. That okay. could be a problem. It might be, you know, that you have to actually somehow get to, up to the top of that plant and have a spray and try and drench any insect that might be in there. Okay. Uh, the other thing I would say is up at Williamtown, very, very sandy. Uh, yeah. You know, if the new fronds are coming out and there's, you know, it's very dry, you know, at the time. You know, yep. it's sounding, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit sort of coincidental there that it's happened three years in a row. Um, but no, the, no, no, this is the first year oh, that it's actually happened. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. that's right. So you've got three palms. So mm-hmm. look, it could it could just be that, you know, it's just been um, at the time of year when it's happened and, you know, they've dried out at that time and they've just decided to collapse and, and fall down then because it hasn't been, you know, moist enough for them in the ground with all the sand you've got up there? No, my partner's been very diligent in watering them. Excellent. Yeah, um, and feeding them. So it's just a mystery. Yeah. So, look, I'd, I'd probably be going down the insect uh, course in that case and trying to treat them for some sort of insect infestation, like mealybug that could be up in there damaging the fronds, the new fronds, nice and soft fronds as they come out. Um, but, look, certainly um, keep on uh, watering and make, make sure that they're healthy in that regard. Just time now, Scott, for one more very quick call. And it is Pat, who's rung in from Mannering Park about a lemon tree. Let Pat. Hello. Hey Pat, yes, how can we Hello, help you? Uh, I've got a, a very young lemon tree yes. and I had about 10 lemons on it. 
and uh, they've all slowly but surely fallen off. <laughs> Look, that's that's going to happen. It's, if it's a young lemon tree, uh, often they get um, very optimistic and they they set too much fruit and too much flower, to, you know, for what they can actually handle and sustain until they become a big grown-up um, lemon. Um, so what I usually do when there's when you've got a new plant is I'll, I'll pick a lot of the flower bud off so that you only get one or two lemons on there, for instance. And then, yeah, well, I got nothing. <laughs> so, look, as, so as the, as the plant buds, you just go and pick some of that off so you've only got one or two on there. And as the plant uh-huh. matures over a few years, you know, perhaps up until it's about its fourth year, then you'd leave it alone and just let it, um, it flower and fruit itself. And it's just because the root system in, in under the ground hasn't got enough oomph to uh, sustain the plant and get all that fruit out and growing. And then you can let it have it way later on in, the, yes. as in its life. It was a technical With, term then, oomph, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> now, just quickly, who's winning our prize today? Oh, how about we give it to um, Stephen from Hinton. He did have the Sobbia story today. Oh, I've the got, weeping cherry. Yeah, it was like, it was, yeah, there we go, it was a play Sobby on words. plant Yeah, it was a well. Kleenex, a double Kleenex one, that one, wasn't it? So what should Stephen do? Oh, look, if he calls down to Merriweather when he's in town next, um, we'll, we'll give him a suitable prize to make up for all his grief. <laughs> and that's Gardening Talkback from today. Thanks, Scott Sharp. Yeah.